Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Grow With Soul. It's just me today and I'm going to be talking through a question I've had several times over the last few months which is how do I go from the seed of an idea into a fully fledged actual business? And I want to clarify too that this isn't just for people who haven't yet started their businesses, it's for those of you who are thinking of launching a new offering or a new product collection too. The process that I'm going to talk through is the one that I use myself and clients whenever you want to introduce something new to the market, no matter how long you've already been there. I'm also not the most fantastic launcher in all of the world. There are people out there who love the launch process and have lots of different funnels and systems and things to get their five and six figure launches. I don't know whether it's a British thing, but I do find launching my own products quite awkward. And this is something that is a constant learning process for me really is trying to find what that right balance is, which we'll dig into a little bit more. However, I do also just generally prefer to keep things simple and focus more on showing up authentically than having all the right email funnels, for example. So if you want all of that kind of technical information and the kind of complex funnel system of launching, then you're probably not going to get it from this episode. So do check out Jenna Kutcher and Amy Porterfield for information around that kind of very big premium six-figure launch style of marketing. Instead, this episode is going to look at how you can launch when you've never done it before or without having to get different programs or software, just use the channels that you already have. And it's really about achieving manageable and sustainable growth rather than those huge big launches. So yeah, if that's for you, come on in. So for me, With building a business or planning a launch, there are three main stages. There's planning, there's preparation, and there's presence. So I guess planning kind of speaks for itself, but that's the kind of very first step. The background of the background work is actually making sure you know what your idea is, pulling that out into its full potential, thinking about your customer and the market you're going to be entering. The preparation is all the marketing stuff. So having a content calendar, your sales copy, thinking about how long that period needs to be based on several factors, all that kind of stuff goes into the preparation period. And then presence is post-launch, making sure that you are visible, you are there, you're able to be reactive rather than trying to do all the blog posts and everything in that moment when people need to be able to see you. So I'm going to talk through the main kind of facets of each of those three pieces of the of the process. And yeah, so you'll get an idea of what it's kind of like when I'm launching things here and maybe hopefully be able to apply that to your own idea that you're kind of nurturing at the moment. So 
step one is planning and step 1.1 is the idea so i'm going to assume that you've got an idea to start with and i don't like the idea of trying to push an idea to try and come up with something for the sake of coming up with it because that's not the way to have the best ideas it's got to serve a genuine need both for you and the people that you're doing it for so I'm going to do some more work on this maybe this is a future episode is actually coming up with that initial idea but for the sake of this episode we're going to assume that there's a little seed a little inkling of an an idea there and we're going to draw it out so the first thing to do is to kind of make sure that that idea you have is aligned with your business purpose and what you do and how you want to be helping people in the world so for example if I had an idea about how to make a million dollars in 10 days, that's not really aligned with the concept of Grow With Soul, which is my whole business purpose. So that's probably not an idea to follow through with. So just that's the first thing is making sure that actually this idea you've got is right for your business and not for somebody else's business. That it really follows through on the messaging that you've been putting out before or that you want to stand for in the future. And I guess the thing here is to say not to chase the likes, as we would say, not to chase what's popular, what seems to be doing well for other people, really stay very kind of blinkered and in your own house with this one and make sure that it's fully aligned with what you do and why you do it. The second thing is, does your idea serve a genuine need or problem for somebody else? Because if it doesn't do that, nobody's going to buy it. (laughs) People aren't going to buy something that they don't need, want or like. So you've got to be realistic about this. Like, are you making this course because you want to make a course rather than it's something that people need a course to be able to learn? Is it actually more of a blog post than it is a course? But also, don't be too hard on yourself. And I think this particular question is always very difficult for product-based businesses and makers because depending on what your product is, people very rarely need that product. And it's hard to think what problem does that product solve. So really think out of the box with that one. So say you make jewellery, don't underestimate the fact that a ring that you've made might be the most clear expression of someone's personality that they've ever found and that by wearing it they feel most themselves than they ever have because they've never found anything like it but that is a real genuine reason for somebody to need your product or to want your product and to buy your product so just because we're not as I've said before at the solving world hunger end of the spectrum with this doesn't mean that there isn't that genuine value and that genuine need so on the one hand be very realistic about it but also get out of your own head so that the self-doubt doesn't take over and make sure that you are able to be again realistic but in a different way (laughs) that yes there is a need there and then the last thing when you're thinking about your idea is what is this going to do for your business and for you. So do you actually need to launch another offering right now or are you actually pretty snowed under as it is? Are you looking to say move away from one-to-one work and does this 
offering actually help you with that so for example say you have you can't deal with your inbox any longer you need to start having fewer people email you so you want to take on fewer one-to-one clients is the idea you're doing you're thinking of solving that problem or is it just giving more people different reasons to email you for example so be really clear on what you want this to do for your business rather than just launching something out there just to make more money and to have another thing like what is it that's going to make you move what you're doing forward or make your life better so be very very clear on that because I think that's a big thing that we all do that we think oh I've got this great idea and I want to follow it but actually is it sustainable for you in your life is it gonna is it moving you in the direction you want to go to for your goals your big goals for your life and your work so once you've kind of asked yourself those things The next thing to come on to is the customer. And this can be really helpful with point two about does this serve a genuine need or problem? And if you listened to last week's episode with Susanna, you can really work with your customer to build the idea a bit more. Because as I said in that episode, you can be building this thing in isolation and spend six months on it. And then as soon as you release it to the world, people say, oh, it'd be nice if it was a little bit more like this. And you've just wasted that whole six months. So work with your customer to work out whether it does serve a genuine need or problem and how you can tweak it to make sure that it really does properly serve that need or problem. But winding it back a little bit, first, do you already know your customer? Are you starting out and you've not done any work on this yet or you've not built an audience or maybe you have got an audience but you're not 100% sure whether they're the right audience for this new product? So therefore, do you need to find a new customer base? That's very important things because you have to have somebody to sell it to. You have the best idea in the world, but if you can't get it in front of the people who it's meant for, then it's not going to sell. So you've got to be, again, very realistic about this. And just because you've got 4,000 followers doesn't mean that they're following you because they want to buy this idea. So start testing the water with an existing audience to see how they're reacting to it. But if you're starting from scratch, perfect, because you can start from scratch with building an audience that you know need your thing, which can be much, much more easy than shifting an audience to start to think that they want something that maybe they probably didn't. So make sure that you are working on making sure you're very clear on who that person is and how you can help them. And then you just need to make sure that the kind of USPs, the unique selling points of your products or your idea really matches up to that customer's needs. So again, this is going back and asking them what they want, what their problem is, and just slightly shifting the idea so that it really matches up with that customer need so that you can be sure that you're really creating the thing that needs to exist rather than just chasing what you think is best because we need more frames of reference than our own head almost 100% of the time. So once you've done that more internal stuff of making the idea what it needs to be, digging into the customer and whether you need to find new customers or need to change your or your following. And if you want to dig deeper into that, I think it's episode six, which is the why and the who of your business. That's um goes into that stuff in way more detail. The third thing in this planning phase is to do some market research. Now I would want you to be cautious with this is what I'm trying to say because market research 
could very quickly turn into comparison. And that's not what we want. So you need to make sure that when you're approaching your market research, you are in the right headspace. I always talk about asking a question of your market research. So you're not just going to see what's out there, have a scroll, look into people's work, because yes, that way you're going to be like, well, there's no space for me. This person's doing it amazingly. I'm never going to do it. Go in asking a question. So maybe it's, what are the price points of other people doing similar things? How are they marketing to their sorts of person? Go in looking for specific information so that you can kind of keep that more objective researcher mindset on. You don't want to do too much so that you kind of just become other people and do what they're doing as well. But just you want to be aware of the space that you're moving into so that you don't score any own goals like not know there's another meditation app if you're launching a meditation service, for example. So that's what you want to look at is where you sit in the market. So who else is doing similar things? And also look at who's doing things that aren't similar, but that solve the same problem. So an example might be if you make bikes, well, people are going to buy a bike because they want to exercise, but then actually a gym is probably one of your competitors in that space as well, because that's somewhere else where people can go to get fit. So look at what all the different options are for your customer to solve their problem and think about how you can then position yourself as the best solution to solve that problem. Also look at what other people are doing to market their business and look at what you can use and take into yours. So if somebody else seems to be having really good success with podcasting rather than blogging, for example, and you were thinking of blogging, then maybe that's something that you can use because you know then that kind of audience is really, that's where they're consuming your content. But also, what can you improve on? What are people doing that's not quite hitting the spot with their customers? What are the questions that keep coming up? What isn't feeling right to you? What do you think that's good, but it's not quite there? How can you improve on what others are doing? So all that kind of stuff. So you can know that when you're doing your preparation or your kind of marketing prep, you know what you're going to be coming up against and how you can differentiate yourself within that market. It's not about doing the same or following the rules. It's about being really different. Once you know what others are doing, you can make sure that you stand out to your people by being more this or more authentic or more that, but use that to be different, not the same. The other thing to look at with your market research is pricing, which we all hate to talk about. And particularly with service-based offerings, it's very difficult because it's so subjective because the only real cost you have is your time. And that in itself is quite subjective as well. With products, it's slightly easier because there are many more formulas out there about, you know, the cost of the materials, the cost of your time, percentages on top of that. And it's kind of easier to have a bit of a place to go from. But generally with charging, my rules are always to charge your worth because if you start charging low for something, you know, once you're a week into the project, you've sold your first one, you're going to immediately resent it because you know you're not getting paid what you want to be paid for that work. Don't just start really low and just think, oh, I'll just do this. People can't afford it because you're not going to have a nice life working like that. So charge what you're worth, but make it accessible for people. So 
that means payment plans. It means having maybe scholarship places on courses for people who can't necessarily afford it, all that kind of thing, so that you can be inclusive, you can help people, but also make sure that you are charging what you're worth. A slight caveat to that, however, it's always easier to put your prices up than to put them down. You don't want to have a course and then actually you sell, say, five places at £300 and you think, God, next time I'm going to put it down to 150 because those five people who bought the course are going to be like, well, hang on, why did I pay double for this? And everybody else is going to be like, well, hang on, why is it half the price that it was before? Whereas you can double it and people understand. Those first people who took it will be like, I'm so glad I got that great deal. And everybody else is thinking, wow, it's really had some great effects for people. So charge your worth. But if you're thinking of a bracket, when you're starting out, go at the lower end of that bracket so that you can put it up for the second or third iteration. So that's all your planning stuff. So you've got your idea, you know who it's for, and you know roughly where you're going to sit in the market when you do eventually launch it. Obviously, somewhere in here, you've got to now create the product. So go away and do that. And then we're going to do our preparation stage of this process. So the first thing that I would do, and this is what we do on my Make It Real program, is write a sales page, which very often we leave to be the last thing. But it's always great for it to be first because it makes sure that the idea is really clear in your head because on this sales page, you have to communicate what you do, what your idea is, what your product is to somebody else. So in order to do that, you need to really understand it in and out in order to communicate it for somebody else to understand it. And what the sales page also does is it makes you really think and connect to what are those key selling points? What are the things that really help to solve that problem or to achieve that goal for my person. So it fixes you in and focuses you on being really clear about what your product is and how it helps people because that's that's what you want in your head when you're planning all your marketing material is that stuff. So start with your sales page because for a launch particularly, your sales page is the nucleus. It's the epicenter. It's where all roads, it's Rome, all roads lead to it. Wherever you're marketing your launch, everybody's going to eventually end up at that sales page. So that really is the kind of crux of what you're doing. So once you've got that and that's all done, what I always like to do is I work backwards from from things. So if you've got a launch date in mind, work backwards from that to see what needs to be put in place in order for you to be launching with everything that you want to be launching with. So sometimes your date will be quite fixed. So I mean, product-based businesses, Christmas is always going to be quite a big one. So you can't really shift that too much. So you've got to make sure you're starting it enough in advance, or even if you're not, you then have to be ruthless about what you're going to be able to include in that launch. So maybe you're not going to be able to start a new podcast, but you can get the blog posts out and that is going to be absolutely better than not doing anything at all. But if your launch date is quite arbitrary, so you've just kind of plucked it out of the air and it's not really based on anything, make sure that you have got the time and space in there to do the things that you want to do. Because particularly if it's a brand new business or a brand new offering, you want to make sure there's enough space in that launch and pre-launch period to be really educating people and telling people what's going on. So 
work backwards from those dates and think about what you want to be doing on that launch date. You want to have everything done and look at all your channels. So you've got your social, you've got your blog, you've got your email list. You can use outreach to get more coverage of your product. So start thinking about when you need to be pitching those things. So for outreach, it might be even six months before for some press opportunities. But with things more like blogging and social, you can do those quite quickly depending on how you work. Another thing that's going to depend on the length of this launch and pre-launch periods really depends on your situation and your business. So, you know, as we discussed earlier, do you need to build a whole customer base first? Because if you do, you're not going to be launching in, in a month because that's just not enough time to build the trust with people to know that they can follow you even let alone buy from you so you need to be realistic about that and think what do if if one of those steps when you're moving back from the launches grow an audience that that needs its whole other plan of its own so just be really mindful of that and be really realistic so if it needs to be pushed back an extra six months so you've got more time to be doing the the audience building and building the trust and establishing your expertise that's a really smart thing to do And when I say launch and pre-launch, by the way, pre-launch is what you do before you put the thing on sale. So your pre-launch, if you're launching a course, might be that you are creating blog posts about your experience with online courses or your experience with the thing that you're going to be teaching before you've even mentioned that this thing's going to exist so that you're starting to set the seeds, sow the seeds even, and set the tone of what's going to be coming once you've launched the thing. So an example for this was my first campfire launch because it was my first course, first thing that wasn't one-to-one. And I launched that in April 2018. But for, I think it was a month and a half beforehand, I started to up the amount I was talking about content creation. So I was doing maybe every other blog post was about content marketing in some way before I'd even said about the course. And I also had done some posts about investing in your personal development and how to know what course is for you, all that kind of thing, to set those tones of getting people into that mindset of thinking about their own content marketing and thinking about how they wanted to learn about it. So I did all of that and then I launched the course and I had quite a long launch period. I think it was about a month and a half again, uh, during which I went a little bit more explicit with my content marketing post. So there was a lot of how to plan your content so that that really linked very explicitly with what the content of Campfire is. So that's how I did that first launch and that was very successful, but it was an awful lot of work. So I haven't done it that way again because really I would run out of things to talk about content marketing quite quickly if I was doing that intensity. But also I found it was unnecessary because people, in my experience, by either right at the beginning of a launch or probably 80 to 90% of the time, right at the very end on the last couple of days. So I have shortened my launch periods since then. And I actually think of um, that I'm always in a kind of pre-launch state. So given that I run the courses twice a year, when they're not on the sale, I'm always in that kind of pre-launch state of making sure people are thinking about taking a course or thinking about their content or thinking about their outreach so that by the time the launch comes around it's not you're not educating them 
from point zero. They're already kind of embedded in that idea of of this stuff that I talk about. So that's the kind of difference between pre-launch and launch. But what you do need for both of them is a good content calendar. So a content calendar is kind of what it sounds like. It's a plan where you're going to say, this is what I'm going to post. This is when I'm going to post it. And this is where I'm going to post it. And for a launch, this is particularly useful because you might have a lot of different things going out. You're going to have more emails than usual, probably. You're going to have more social media. So for me, I don't just have my grid posts. I'll have a few lives in there. I'll be doing more stories than usual. I'll have very specific blog posts going out, maybe some outreach. So I might be on a podcast to talk about my course. And all of those things all need to tie together. So I don't want to be putting a blog post out but then not linking it to the fact that I was on this podcast and then not having an opt-in for people to sign in and all that kind of stuff. So the calendar really helps you make sure that everything's going out all at the right time. They're all joined up and that can really help you in your pre-launch and your launch period to know that when you're talking on your live, if you're going to do one, that you can refer back to a blog post that you put out earlier that day rather than oh god I did write a blog post on this but it's not out there oh I'll put it out later like you could it just makes everything a bit more seamless and helps you to stay really in control of it and the good thing with doing that is also that you can batch your content before you launch as well so you can be taking all the photos you can have written up your email sequence you can have written up your blog posts so that you're not there during your launch period furiously typing something out before you have to go on a podcast or whatever. So that's a really important thing that you've got all of that going on in this preparation period so that when you get on to the next stage, which is presence, you can be just that, you can be present. So yeah, the preparation stage really is everything that we talk about in marketing, just kind of on steroids and and to one end. So rather than you're just thinking about your usual email newsletter and your usual blog posts, which are all quite evergreen, whenever people come to them, they can come to them at any time and they get an idea of what you stand for. Whereas with launch marketing, it can still be evergreen. So the posts that I've written about how to plan your content, you know, they're, they're not going to go out of date. But it's very specific to that moment in time in your business so that people come to your business at that time, they know this is when I can get this content marketing course, for example. So it's just making sure that all that stuff that you would normally doing is just really happening all towards that one end. And for product-based businesses, the same rules apply. So depending on kind of what your business launch is about, say you're doing a shop opening or you're social media can be talking about that shop opening, showing you making the products behind the scenes, reminding people of the date it's going to be open and how to buy. Your blog posts again can be showing that behind the scenes. Your emails can be a countdown. You can send maybe a product to some influencers or to some magazines to get some outreach. So all the same stuff applies just in your context as a product-based business. So working backwards from your launch date, planning your content calendar and batching all the content that you need to do so that during that launch you can be present. All the same rules apply. So let's talk about presence because this is what's really important during a launch period is that you need to be visible. So you need to make sure that you're showing up in people's lives 
frequently and regularly so they don't forget that you exist because you've done all this work to make the thing in the first place and then all your preparation marketing work you need to be there pushing it out there making sure that people are seeing it and this is the thing that we all feel awkward about and what I'll say is that, that this doesn't mean every day talking about your product and on stories every hour sharing telling people to turn up and buy your product because that gets very boring very quickly for everybody involved you're gonna get people skipping you're gonna get yourself hating yourself because you hate how salesy you're being so you can still use the 80 20 rule here so which is that 80 percent of what you talk about should be pure value for your customer and 20% should be talking about your course or your product. And I think probably a lot of us do more 95.5 or 99.1. But during this period, even if you're talking about something that's not related to your course or your product or that's not directly by this now, so maybe to use the content marketing example again, you can be talking about how you plan your content. You can be showing that and be providing value through that, but just without mentioning the course so much. Or with your product, you can be showing the behind the scenes of you making without saying, buy this, buy this, buy this. So you can use this 80-20 rule to make sure that you're present without being boringly salesy. So it's more important that people keep seeing your little icon pop up on their stories feed or continually see you posting or have... Uh, blog posts are always going to read rather than they occasionally see you pop up and every time they pop you pop up you're talking about somebody buying your course so make sure that you're always there that they can't ever forget that you exist and with this really play to your strengths as I discussed on the little chapters episode on being an introvert a few weeks ago I am somebody who's pretty good at doing live broadcasts I find them quite easy to do. I actually really enjoy them. That's a place that I am really good at showing up and providing value and answering everybody's questions and all that kind of thing. Some people, that's hell. (laughs) So I'm not saying you have to show up like that. You show up in the way that you show up best. So maybe that's your grid posts on Instagram always do really well because your photography is great or your captions really connect. Then just do more of that so that you can show up in that way. Or maybe your email list is really strong. So send a few more emails than you usually would. Show up where you best show up, where you're going to be the best version of yourself in order for people to remember that you exist. That's the whole point here. And the other point of it is that you can be reactive. So if people are asking questions about your product or something's not clear to them, you start to see the same frequently asked questions coming through. You can go in and you can change your sales copy. You can send a reactive email to say, hey guys, everybody's asking me this question about my product launch. Let me answer for all of you here. If you are really bogged down in, oh God, I've got to get that blog post out, you're going to miss this stuff. You're not going to pick up on that ability to be reactive. You're not going to have the time to send that email explaining things a bit more clearly and you're not going to have the time to be responding to messages answering those questions so that's the whole point of the preparation work is that during the actual period of the launch when the thing is on sale to when it closes you can be there 
You can be very accessible when people have got questions so you can answer them quickly and provide a great customer service. And you can be present and visible so that for the people who are on the fence or they're not quite sure or they're waiting till the day it closes, they're not going to forget that you exist. So that's the three step process of planning, preparation and presence. And I know that a lot of people have a lot of fear about launching. I have a lot of fear about launching. Something that I wrote about a few months ago in a post about failure on the blog. And what helped me during that period, because I think the, the fear is always, what if it doesn't sell? What if it doesn't work? If you've got to ask what's the worst that can happen. So maybe the worst that can happen is that your course has one person on it. And they know they're the only person who bought it. That's almost worse than no one buying it. Because if no one bought it, no one needs to know that no one bought it. But if one person does, they know that nobody else did. So actually, turn that around. If that one person bought your course, then that person is going to have the best course experience ever. Because they're going to have you working with them one-to-one on this thing that they've been excited to buy. So give them that and think of it like that and really take yourself and your ego out of it and think this person's going to have the best time ever and lead with that and similarly with your product launch so if you don't sell out absolutely everything what's the worst that can happen you take extra stock to a fair or you keep your online shop open or you give it out to some more wholesalers it still can be sold it's not a finite thing And just a story really with this is that when I launched the whole business, so when I first quit my job, moved here to Wales and proudly announced that I was open for business, I could take coaching clients now, I had my friends share online about how I was now available for booking. I had all these blog posts going out. I had emails going out. I had people on Instagram following me. I didn't book any clients. <laughs> in that launch period, I didn't book a single person. And in fact, I didn't have a single inquiry. I didn't have one email asking me about what I did. And that was really the worst that could happen, I think. And to be honest, I carried on because really I didn't have a choice because I'd moved up here. But imagine if I'd given up because that first launch didn't live up to my dreams. And actually it took three months of hammering away before anybody even inquired <laughs> about working with me. So when I say what's the worst that can happen, I have actually genuinely been in that place where the worst did happen. And it was okay. I carried on. I learned a lot from it. I reviewed everything that I was doing, started to see what might be going wrong and changed it. So believe me when I say that the worst that can happen is an actually bad thing and you can always learn from it and there's always the next time. Um, But by following the process, it gives you something to go on something to test and learn and gives you the best shot at it being the best launch it can be at that time. But the first one is always going to be the worst, but you only have to do the first one once and you can learn so much from it and move on. So yes, if you're planning on launching a new business or launching a new idea, good luck and let me know how it goes.
If you have a seed of an idea you want to launch, then you still have time to join my group coaching program, Make It Real, which starts on February the 19th. This program really does what it says on the tin. We take your idea and we make it into a real life business over the course of four months. We follow the process that I used to set up my business and the one that so many of my one-to-one clients have found really game-changing in their lives. You'll get weekly exercise and tasks from me that will move you forward, group calls and Q&As, plus you'll be doing it all alongside a group of completely like-minded women to cheer you along. So to find out more, go to the coaching section on my website, simpleandseason.com or click the link in the show notes. Any other links that we mentioned will be on my website at simpleandseason.com slash podcast. And you can come and find me on Instagram at simpleandseason and tag me and share where you are listening. Also, I've not asked you to do this in a while, but if you could rate and review there in the podcast app, that would be really helpful to help other people find this podcast. And until next time, I hope you grow with song.